Welcome to Blind Love Radio. I'm your host, Anna Rosen. Enjoy these heartfelt conversations having to do with creativity, transformation, and the divine. Welcome back to Blind Love Radio. Thank you guys so much for listening. I am coming at you today on a Gemini moon, and that feels very appropriate. I'm hoping this podcast will be a divine message to spark joy and curiosity in your life. Um, And I feel that's definitely what Sarah does. Oh my gosh. Um, Today I am talking with Sarah from Fox and Elder. She is a herbalist, farmer, and homesteader, and she is literally the most badass herbalist I have ever come across. Um, Just like most inspiring human in general, She, I feel like, has gone through, like, so many transformations, and you can see this just, like, innate hunger for curiosity and new experiences, but it's so grounded. Um, I'm not surprised that we're having this conversation in Virgo, like, this beautiful divine work, um that she does is just so infectious and I feel like she brings it to whatever she does. Um, So not only is she an herbalist, but she was also a Muay Thai champion, like went and fought in Italy and won titles for the amateur American team, like holy cannoli. That is crazy, and I am so in awe and impressed just by the ferociousness of trying new things and just finding your way by curiosity. Um, I love that, and I am so inspired by that. This is such a fun conversation. I think you guys are going to love it. We talk all about the fall and gift giving for the holiday season and how you can make a lot of homemade gifts which I feel like are way more fun and have way more heart than spending a bunch of money and we talk about making your own herbs like how to dry them out properly she gives us so many tips about that like just like herbalism like witchy plant wisdom 101 here like just so many like good little tidbits I'm obsessed and we talk so much about the fall and like different things you can cook in the fall she gave this amazing pumpkin recipe like pumpkin soup recipe that I made and it was amazing it was so good so you guys have to try that just like plant witch, like to the extreme, badass. I am obsessed with Sarah. You guys are going to love this episode. It's giving me all of the fall feels. Um, I feel like this episode is like a chai tea that you can just like smell and snuggle up to and inspire you and I'm giving like way too many weird 
analogies here so I'm just gonna get into it but I also want to tell you to follow her on Instagram at Fox and Elder and also I am getting we talk about like how she makes these like custom tea blends and I ordered two already I ordered one to like make my dreams amazing and then also I'm having like a lot of sinus problems I feel like you can probably hear it I'm a little like nasally Um, so I also ordered one from her to help with that and I feel like she is like such a wizard oh my god I'm just so in awe that she can like come up with these like it feels like just such a potion it's so cool I'm obsessed so also you should check out her podcast tending seeds podcast it's like such a cute homesteading podcast and she gives these like short little like bite-sized just like day in the life of like what she's doing and how she's like learning all of this new information and she's just such a teacher like gift of like she goes and explores whatever curiosity she has and then she has this beautiful way of like relaying this information so we can all learn from it um so I definitely have a girl crush on her I am obsessed and you guys are gonna be too so check her out fox and elder f-o-x-a-n-d-e-l-d-e-r on the gram on the instagrams and I love you guys enjoy this podcast make all of the recipes try Muay Thai um and I like that's all I have to say like so many things but nothing at all really (laughs) just kidding but I love you guys have a great day I hope you are excited for Libra season that is coming up I'm kind of ready for the change I have to say um and I'm sending you guys lots of love So we are here on Blind Love Radio. Go ahead and introduce yourself for everybody. Hi, my name is Sarah Schuster. I am an herbalist, a homesteader, and a medicinal herb farmer in Middle Tennessee. I have an herbal business called Fox and Elder, and I also do a podcast called Tenting Seeds about herbalism and homesteading topics. That is so cool. How did herbalism find you or you found herbalism? What was kind of the origin story? Um, I'll give you kind of the medium length version (laughs) (laughs) where we could be here a long time. So I've definitely always wanted to be involved in the plant world. Um, Even growing up, even though we weren't in a rural area, I would always seek the outdoors. Like my little brother and I would always make forts and stuff in the woods. I still have like graph paper drawings of like designing tiny houses for myself in the woods like before tiny houses were cool um just like little hole in the wall cabins like would read books about you know living in trees and I just I loved it so much and I even remember I think a lot of people have this experience in like elementary school I think it was first grade you know growing like a plant from a bean seed for the first time um And I was just completely hooked by that. I was like, what? I can like make this thing and it'll make food. And 
then later on in life discovering that you could get not only food from plants but you know, medicine as well and there's like this whole world to discover out there I was completely intrigued by it my first like really long-term partner his mother was an herbalist and his stepdad was an organic farmer and so getting to kind of see that lifestyle from them and i was like super hooked right away and i knew that i was like this is what i do this totally lights me up inside i'm so passionate about it but at the time it just didn't seem like a viable life for me and my partner at the time was like hey i grew up living this life and i want something else this is not what i want to do i want to be able to travel and that's not something you can really do a ton of when you're farming, especially at first. And so I kind of put it on the back burner and I worked through a bunch of other careers. I was a school teacher for six years. Um, I was an amateur Muay Thai fighter for six years. I did rest- <laughs> <laughs> um, We can definitely circle back to that if you yeah. want. We're always like, what? <laughs> and then I went into restaurant work for a few years as well. And then I just finally realized, I was like, you know, everyone tells you, like, you're not going to make any money farming and all this other stuff. And I was like, you know what? I'd rather work with plants and be scraping by than keep doing these jobs that just aren't fulfilling to me in the, in the long term. And so about two years ago, I decided to get back on the plant path and life has been rocking ever since. That is so cool. So what do you use herbs for specifically? Like healing of all sorts of things or like I guess like how do you use herbalism so for me herbalism is really about creating a relationship with the plant world and they they have so much to offer us if we want to you know seek out those relationships and they can really just I look at it as preventative medicine I mean you hear a lot of people talk about herbalism with you know uh you know, elderberry syrup for cold and flu season. And that's great, but there's so much we can use. Uh, I hate to say use. There's so many ways we can work with herbs to nourish ourselves and to support ourselves so that we're hopefully not getting sick or at least not getting sick that often. And so I really love doing like daily herbal infusions, uh, herbal teas, I love a good, you know, just herbal salve. Um, one of my favorite things, like at the end of the day, if I'm getting to like chill out for a little bit, is just using herbal salve and just massaging like my lower legs and or my feet before bed. Just feels amazing, and it's so great. Or doing, you know, herbal herbal baths or foot soaks. I just there's so many ways to incorporate it into your life. I also I love cooking. My previous jobs, right before I switched over to herbalism. Uh, we're in restaurant management. I was planning to open up a vegan restaurant. And then I worked as a personal chef for a while. So getting to incorporate herbs into, you know, into cooking and just trying new things, just it lights me up. I, I love it. And I love sharing that with others as well. What's one of your favorite vegan dishes to cook that like you can use a lot of fresh herbs in? Mm. So I, I'm a sucker for pasta it's one of my favorite comfort foods me so, too <laughs> yeah and especially as we head into cooler weather here a little bit so like literally just two nights ago i was making tomato sauce on the, on the stove and just throwing like tons of herbs into it i have a little herb garden right outside the front door here and so i can just run out there and grab you know basil and thyme and rosemary and all these things to put in there there are so many great culinary herbs and 
you know, people are like, oh, well, that doesn't seem like herbalism. That seems like, you know, super easy and kind of like everyone has those herbs. And I'm like, I know that's why we should all be using them. You know, they're right there and, and totally accessible and we can incorporate them into our life. Um, but then there's other stuff. I literally was just listening to a podcast interview the other day with Steve Brill, who's this like really famous forager. And he was talking about making jerky out of burdock root. And I was like, that's amazing. I want to try this. Um, and you can find that at a lot of like international markets. It's called gobo or burdock root sometimes. And so it's like you can like uh, slice it into pieces. It's pretty fibrous. And so you can steam it to open it up and then marinate it and then just bake it in your oven and turn it into this like root vegetable jerky, basically. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I was like, that is happening this winter for sure. So yeah, I just, I love getting to work with herbs just at every point in my life that I possibly can throughout the day. Do you love vegetables as much as you love herbs? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Actually doing vegetable growing and doing like a vegetable CSA was something that came first for me and then switching over more recently to being an herb farmer. And yeah, I love vegetables and I'm not doing a vegetable CSA anymore, but we definitely still have a garden here uh, for our household. And I love to like nerd out about that and do seed swaps. I actually, I'm organizing a local seed swap here next month for folks for herb, flower and vegetable seeds. And there's so much stuff out there. I'm really passionate about seed saving and folks being able to keep control over, you know, their seeds. Um, there's a lot going on with larger corporations trying to control and like patent you know, different types of seeds so that farmers are forced to rebuy seeds from them year after year. So I'm really passionate about seed saving and, and keeping seeds and herbalism. Those are, that belongs in the hands of the people. Yes, I love that. And I was talking to somebody else about, I was talking to a nutritionist and she was talking about like Roundup and like how so many farms like spray everything with Roundup and it's like, causing so many health problems and it's so cool to like take control of your own health by like growing your own food and knowing what's being put on it and what's not being put on it and yeah that's awesome yeah definitely I mean I think that if that's a thing that's available to you and that you're able to do or even if you can't grow all of your own vegetables I know that's not feasible for most of us with, with our lives and our schedules even just having a few plants that you make that connection with, I think can be so important. And going back to what you said about Roundup, you know, I really wonder about what that's doing to us long-term. Um, there's a great book, the I think it's called The War on Invasive Species. And the author talks about that the way Roundup works on plants is that it actually, it attacks the immune system of the plants. It doesn't just kill those plants outright it targets their immune system to then make them more susceptible to outside pathogens. And, and so it's not actually killing the plant outright. It just works on the immune system. I'm just wondering, like, what is that doing to us when we ingest that and all those crops? Yes. And it's so interesting because she was saying in other countries it's outlawed. So people will, like, go on vacation and they'll be fine eating things there that they can't eat here. And it's just so interesting to me that, like, just omitting something can cause, you know, so many health benefits. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of, 
I, I don't know of any specific scientific studies yet on this, but I've definitely heard a plethora of anecdotal stories from individuals talking about exactly what you're saying, where different foods that they normally can't eat, if it, you know, like beans or you know, grains and wheats, which normally those are sprayed with Roundup to knock everything back right before harvest, that if they get if they grow the, those same plants themselves and process them and make sure they're not, you know, cross-contaminated with anything, they can eat them and they have no other symptoms. That is so cool. It's, <laughs> yeah, I love that. Like, food can heal you if you, like, you know, really connect with it and nurture it the way you would anything. Um, it's yeah. so neat. Yeah, definitely. So, okay, so we're going into fall. Uh-huh. So I want to get real basic and talk about pumpkins. Are you a pumpkin girl? <laughs> I love, yeah, I love pumpkin. One of my favorite things for fall actually is like a coconut pumpkin soup. Oh, what do you put in that? Yeah. So the base of it is just kind of like your basic roux. So you're taking carrots, onion, and celery and just like slow, like caramelizing all that with like a ton of garlic because there's never enough garlic in everything. Agreed. Yes. (laughs) So you're like slow cooking that and then you can do this in a crock pot, which is really great. So then you're throwing like a big can, like two cans of like pureed pumpkin and a can of coconut milk into your crock pot. And then once everything is sauteed, all your vegetables, you put that in the crock pot as well. I add in a few bay leaves, salt and pepper, and then I just let that sit until I'm ready to eat it. And then I just use my like immersion stick blender and blend that all up. It is so fantastic. I have no idea where I found that recipe originally like a million years ago, but we make it all the time, obviously to the point where I literally have the recipe memorized. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yes. What do you like to do with pumpkin? Uh, I love pumpkin pie. I've made my own pumpkin pie. Um, with like getting a pumpkin and then stripping it down and cooking it. And it's so much different than buying like a puree too, because I feel like there's so much sugar and all of that. And Uh it ends up being like a vegetable pie almost. And it's like so much of a silkier texture, which I loved. It was it was just like it wasn't what I expected when I first made it, but I was like pleasantly surprised, I would say. Yeah, so kind of more savory. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I love growing like all sorts of different, you know, things from like the squash family, like acorn squash and butternut squash and and so, yeah, I'll just do, like, a day where I just process that, you know, bake them all and then puree them or mash them up and then freeze them for, like, later in the year. And it's just, like, the yeah. best thing, even in, like, the middle of summer, really like, pull out, like, acorn squash that you grew and, like, eat that for dinner. It's so good. I'm so excited for fall now. Like, talking <laughs> about this <laughs> like... We just had our first, like, little bit of cooler temps this week, so I'm, like, super stoked about it. Me too! I'm like, is it too soon to put on a sweater? Like, I'm busting everything out. I'm, like, ready to decorate for Halloween. It's, like, (laughs) it's not even September, but whatever. Yeah, no, so ready. I'm, in a few weeks, I'm having, like, a fall equinox get-together here, and so I'm like, I definitely, I need to start decorating. Like, I have to. Ooh, what are you going to do for that? Do you do any, like, rituals around that time? Or what's, like, your practice? 
Yeah, so I'm really focused on just building kind of my witchy community right now. And so I have folks that I practice with, but I feel like I want to make that community grow kind of as organically as possible. So for the Equinox ritual, I'm kind of inviting any witchy friends that I know and then also telling them like, hey, you should also bring like one to three other witchy friends with you and like let's all hang out and we're going to do a ritual that has kind of like both a personal and political twist to it. I haven't decided exactly what that's going to look like, but I definitely want to get a bunch of people together and raise some energy for something. There's so many possible topics right now. That so many. Focus on. <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're going to pick something and I'll just do a collective ritual together. And then of course a potluck, because if you're not eating together, what was the point? <laughs> Oh, I agree. I just think eating is so cool because it's like it brings you together with other people like sitting down and like cooking a meal. And I love that idea of like when you cook something with love, you can really tell also like infusing energy into food or I don't know, do you have that idea with like herbalism also like energy that you're putting into something while you're making it? Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, we do. A friend and I did ritual work at the start of spring. We did a seed blessing ceremony with all the seeds we had to put into our garden. Oh, I love that. And yeah, it, I can't take credit. That was my friend's idea, but I'm definitely going to be doing it You know, every year from now on. It was really beautiful. And also just, you know, I feel like all my work, you know, you're out there. There aren't any other humans with me. I'm a farmer of one out here but I feel like everything I do it definitely has an element of, of prayer and reverence to it where I'm I'm not alone when I'm out there I'm definitely communicating with the plants uh, with the land that we're on and even when I'm inside you know just putting you know making tinctures together you know when I shake those every day I'm definitely channeling energy and good intention into that for whoever's going to get that little bottle of tincture later on that is so cool. So as we go into fall, I was going to ask you this earlier. I feel like people get sick with the weather changing. Is mm-hmm. there any like good herbs you could take to like help prevent sickness with that or like help boost your immune system? Yeah, definitely. I'm actually next month. I'm actually teaching a um, elderberry syrup workshop and like a cold and flu kind of season medicinals. And so we're in a, you know, elderberry syrup, I think is one of the ones that people are most familiar with and it's super fun to make. And, you know, you were talking about that communal effort of like, cooking together. I always think, you know, get a couple friends together and cook elderberry syrup. And then while it's on the stove, you know, have a potluck and then everyone takes a jar home with them or something. Um, I think mm-hmm. other, I think it's important to think about like why we tend to get sick heading into into this time of year it's not just like this magical switch of like oh it's winter so you know everyone gets sick there are a lot of like lifestyle considerations um a lot of us get really a lot of us get really run down as we head into like the holiday season and it can become super stressful for us we're having more like social demands placed on us even though our work life isn't changing so we're just kind of go 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 all the time we might be stressed out about money because we feel compelled to like buy all these presents for people, which I definitely think like just get rid of that 
as soon as you can just have a sit down with the people in your life and be like, Hey, this is causing stress. This is not what the point of this is. Um, and then also just, you know, a little bit of it is seasonal change. Um, you know, as we head into colder weather, making sure you're like, you know, bundling up if you need to bundle up. Um, this was like a constant fight in my household. My, I run really cold and my, my brother was like that kid that didn't, it didn't matter what the temperature was. He wanted to wear shorts. <laughs> and so it was like this constant battle with my parents of like, Hey, like, this is how you get sick because you know, you're being exposed to colder temperatures and it's not really the cold necessarily that's getting to you. It's that you're like in traditional Chinese medicine, it's you view it as sort of like weakening your body. Like it's an, an excess of wind. So like in TCM, it's always like, make sure your throat is covered. Wake, make sure you're wearing scarves in cool weather. Um, don't let that cold get into your body. So I'm not saying you can't wear shorts if you want to, but add things into your cooking. So like warming spices. So garlic and ginger are two really good ones that are pretty easy to work into your dishes, either, you know, both of those, or at least one of those can pair, I think, with just about anything we make. So warming spices are a good place to start. Warming liquids. So I switch back and forth throughout the year. I don't mind having, in the summer, I don't mind having hot tea at night, like before bed when I'm relaxing. Me too. But a lot of times during <laughs> the summer, I'll make that up before I go to bed, and then I'll just drink that, you know, chilled or iced throughout the day heading into fall and winter I started drinking hot tea all day long to warm myself up and you said you loved herbal teas do you make your own herbal tea like what's your favorites (laughs) so I love I love adding fruits to my teas so I dehydrate fruit like constantly just like oranges and lemons and I'll do like apple slices with cinnamon and I'll dice those up and mix those into whatever tea one I'm making for the week I love nettles. That's probably one of my favorite herbs to have a relationship with. It's so nourishing. It's got such an amazing like mineral content. It's readily available. It's, I mean, it grows almost everywhere. And so it's so easy to form a relationship with that plant. And you just feel like it just wants to strengthen you and fortify you. So I love working with nettle. Some people feel like it tastes like grass. And I think definitely at first it can take a little bit to get used to. So you may end up using some sweeteners in your teas or kind of more of those like fruit additives that I was mentioning. But, you know, if you're just looking for something to give you a boost as you head into this time of year of like kind of being busier and maybe a little bit more stressed, I think nettle, I like to pair that with something like rose hips, uh, which is a a winter time, uh, a thing we find in winter anyway, or fall and winter. And it's really high in vitamin C. So I think nettles, rose hips, maybe some citrus. So that orange and lemon is for you know, some additional vitamin C or even some ginger can be really nice. Um, if you're doing something at night, you know, chamomile or passionflower are both really great. Or even just catnip. I love catnip tea. Mm, I've never tried that. Oh, it's so yummy. So the idea of like drying herbs and drying fruit, how do you do that without it getting funky? Mm, Great question. So I have a small, just like four tray dehydrator. And so I'm always, I feel like that thing runs 24 seven. I'm building out a larger uh, drying unit for next year. A whole room. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, basically. I've run into some other folks um, that have built out like closets and things like that. But one of the coolest ones I've seen is someone bought just like an old, like busted, like walk-in fridge from like a restaurant. So where the fridge part wasn't working anymore, I guess. And so they were able to get it pretty cheap. And they built that out into a, like a commercial drying unit, basically. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I see a lot of folks that just hang bundles of herbs to dry. Um, and I've tried that and it looks super cool and it feels like really awesome and witchy to have them like hanging around your house and it makes for a really great decoration. But I've kind of found that it's it feels like it has a lower quality when I go to, to like make tea or something with those herbs later on. So I think trying to get them dried and processed as quickly as you can is the best way to really like lock in and preserve like what you're trying to get out of those herbs. So I like to use a dehydrator or if you don't have a dehydrator, you can use your oven. You just have to really keep an eye on it. So you'll just like drop your oven to the lowest temperature possible. And then once it's warm, turn the oven off put your tray of herbs into the oven and then just like let it sit in there, but with the door open so you can like let moisture get out as it comes off of the plants. And then just kind of do that in cycles until you get the consistency you want. Uh, I think the biggest thing when you're drying herbs is to really double check to make sure they're fully dry. So you want, when you bend the plant material, if it's really dry, it's going to snap. If it's bendy, then it's not actually fully dry yet. You need to keep going with it. Um, there's like nothing sadder than like taking all the time to like grow a plant and have a relationship with it and you harvest it and then you dry it. And then two months later you come back to that jar to make tea and you open it up and it's like funky smelling or moldy. So <laughs> yeah, it's like the worst thing. So anytime I put plants up, I go back for the next couple of days and I check the jar, both the top and bottom of the jar. And I look for condensation inside the seal jar um, because if anything for it'll happen pretty quickly and you'll be able to see that that's happening in the first week or so. Um, and if you get through the whole week and you never see any condensation, you're probably okay. And what about for like drying fruit? Do you do like the same thing, just like low temp in the oven? And how would you know that it was done? Like, what is it supposed to look like? Yeah, so for that, it's, yeah, I'm still doing uh, low temp for that, and it should be the same way where, so, like, if I'm drying, like, a, a wedge of, or a slice of orange, um, it's going to get really light once you pull the moisture out of it. It should be significantly lighter feeling than what you started with, and it shouldn't be bendy. It should be very firm, and if you put too much pressure on it, it should actually, you should be able to break it. Man, in your hands. I love talking to people who like know what they're doing and you can tell that they've done it so many times because like the devil is truly in the details. Like, oh my gosh, yes, yes. Like knowing those little things will make or break you and they're so small but like so important. Oh, for sure. And like after doing, um, doing like corporate restaurant work where you didn't just have to worry about the health department inspecting you, but like corporate coming to inspect you, which was a million times harder. And, you know, it's like sort safe certified, which is like a really crazy test to take. And yeah. So like food safety, I'm definitely super, super on top of. Yeah. Cause it's like the whole thing is like, we want to heal people, not, not make them sick. <laughs> right. And yeah, even I was just talking about this on my podcast the other week about 
people foraging and making sure you have a really good solid plant identification so you don't get someone sick and I was like you know do it for yourself but also do it for me and other herbalists because if we start getting people sick we're going to have so much more regulation coming down on us if that starts to happen so you said that nettle grows everywhere what does it look like so the easiest way to find nettle is that it's called stinging nettle. <laughs> so when you go to grab that, you will know. Um, I don't think most people. I don't think most people are allergic to it or anything, but you will. You will know that you have grabbed nettle. Um, it's it's pointy. I'm trying to think how best to describe it. I guess it. everybody could Google it, but <laughs> yeah. So if you Google stinging nettle urtica dioca is the the latin for it and so the stinging part of it goes away if it's dried or cooked Mm. so does it sting is it like pointy or is it like give you like a little rash it's it's pointy um they're tiny tiny little stings though and so it's not gonna you know you're not gonna like draw blood most likely unless you're really like moving at speed when you make contact with it um but the really interesting thing is there are people that practice, it's called urtication because the Latin for seeing nettles urtica, and they'll actually intentionally sting themselves with it to get that sort of like that histamine response. And there are some people who say that they have found it's really helpful dealing with like arthritis. And so they'll intentionally go pick stinging nettle without gloves on or something, or even just like take pieces of nettle and intentionally like hit themselves with it to get that response and they feel that it helps um, with arthritis I've, I've not experienced that myself but it's something I've read as I've you know studied herbalism wow that's so interesting yeah it's really it's kind of neat but yeah and so we actually we have two types of nettle here we have the stinging nettle in Tennessee and we also have just like a it's called a woods nettle and so it looks a little bit different. It has a pretty similar flavor. I, I like it as well. And I like to put out that in like tomato sauces and stuff or lasagnas or just anything I'm cooking. It's really yummy. I love that. I call like my tomato sauce pot that I use. I have this like big copper pot and uh-huh. I call it my cauldron. And I, yes. <laughs> I feel awesome. so witchy when I'm making <laughs> sauce. <laughs> That's great. Oh, I love it. Um, do you do like canning at all? Like canning fruit and jam and stuff in the summer? I do. Yeah, actually we're winding out August. This has been like tomato season. So it's normally like a really busy time of year for stuff coming out of the garden. Um, so yeah, like tomatoes and green beans and different jams and jellies. I like to do those as gifts. I I've just kind of found that I don't tend to use a lot of the jams and jellies myself, um, but they make for really cute um, like holiday gifts and stuff. And so that's kind of fun because I can do that in the height of summer and then holiday season rolls around. And for my friends that I know will appreciate gifts like that, it's a super low stress thing for me to like put a basket of stuff together. And it's so thoughtful. Like, I love a homemade gift. I love what you said about not, like, buying everything and stressing yourself out for the holidays. Um, Like, what are you, like, a big, other than that, are you a big homemade gift type of gal? And, like, what type of homemade stuff do you like to make? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, 
I like to make everything. I knit a lot. That's Ooh, I like, love knitting. Oh, do you? Yay. Yeah. Nice. Um, that's like my go-to for just kind of like mindless, if I'm just going to hang out and like watch a movie at night or something and wind down. It's just like, it's, I like to have my hands moving. So I like knitting. I've gotten into embroidery a little bit recently, but I'm super not good at it. <laughs> but it's coming along. It's, it's like a struggle. <laughs> but, um, also, I like quilting pretty much anything I can do on my own and kind of try to DIY it and like turn it into gifts for people. I love to get to do that. Um, I used to do a lot of uh, art through the, through like snail mail, like mail art doing, um, they're called artist trading cards. So they're the size of a baseball card, but they're pretty much like little miniature canvases and you can do like any type of art medium on them. So like drawing or collage or painting. I love doing that. That's cool. Is that like a program or like, what is that? Um, there are all sorts of places that, where you can go to like trade cards. And um, there's one called Swapbot that's been around for quite a while. And I think that's one of the more popular ones where you can sign up for like all sorts of work projects and meet new friends. That sounds so fun. I love that. It really? Yeah, it totally is. And this time of year, there's so much fun stuff because there are always like really cool theme swaps. So like Halloween swaps and they're like groups for like witches and stuff and I've done swaps where we've like handmade altar cloths for one another and all sorts of really neat stuff or like hair packages like herbal stuff or just whatever that is so cool so with the holidays now that we're talking about the holidays I feel like I end up eating like way more sugar and then I get inflamed is there anything like any herbs you can take to help with inflammation or help reduce that yeah so i mean (laughs) we always talk in herbalism about like working on like diet and lifestyle and stressors and things first before we even look at the herbs but like that is one of the things that makes it hard about this time of year is there's a lot of like social pressure to like go out and go to all these holiday parties and you're like oh, I'm going to eat all these cookies or whatever. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with that. And oh my gosh, I love, (laughs) I love cookies. But then later on, you're like, oh man, like I feel sick to my stomach or... I end up feeling like a heroin addict. Like, (laughs) like I have like a tin of cookies and then I'll have to like, I eat a couple and then I like don't feel great because I eat too many. And then I'm like throwing them out and I'm like, I got to throw away my cookie stash. (laughs) Yeah, so... Um, a really good thing if you do end up with like an upset tummy is having a good like bitters formula that can be really soothing and help settle your tummy or catnip tea, uh, ginger and chamomile is a really yummy like tea combination, or you can have it as like a tincture and have that formula kind of just pre-made for yourself. Those are all really good ways to kind of settle your stomach. And then if you're worried about like inflammation, you know, turmeric is always a good option. And I always, you know, the, the whole plant, not like constituents, but just turmeric completely, the whole the whole plant for that. Um, just working that into your cooking. You can do stir fries with it. Or if you have a good source, a good quality turmeric powder, you can mix that into like oatmeal or yogurt the next morning if you're feeling kind of yucky. Those are all like really kind of easy kind of, you know, culinary herbs that you can incorporate to kind of maybe balance some of that out. And then um, 
Katya Swift from Commonwealth Herbs talks about using, or sorry, working with Shizandra berry when she's trying to get off of sugar. And she said that she tried eating like 10 of those berries a day to kind of like regulate blood sugar and help her like regulate those cravings. And that was super effective for her. So sometimes I make a tea with Shizandra berry in it and it's super yummy. Whoa, where do you even find that? Um, that's definitely more of like a specialty thing that you either need to grow or you'll actually have to seek out from like another herbal supplier mm. to find. So interesting. I love the idea of like the herbal trade. <laughs> yeah, it's so fun. And I really love like the community in it. And like even here locally, I've met so many other incredible herbalists and I've had like such amazingly positive interactions with everyone that I've come into contact with so far where everyone's like so supportive of each other and just wanting to build community and be cooperative instead of competitive with each other. And just, you know, that idea that like a rising tide, you know, raises all boats. Like yes. it really does hold true. Okay. I had a random thought. Yeah. We made vanilla, like homemade vanilla for yes. people for gifts one year. And that was a hit Beautiful. while we were on that yeah. subject. I feel like it was so cute and people can use it while they're baking. And it's so easy to make with just like vanilla beans and vodka. Um, yes, definitely. Yeah, I have two jars of that going as well. Um, one of our local homesteading groups, someone in there had a hookup where they could get good quality vanilla beans if we bought in bulk at way less of a price than normal and so yeah i started some of that really early this spring or i think it was back in february actually and so yeah that might be part of my christmas gifts as well this year i think yay i love that yeah and you can get if you like doing the vanilla so I'm a sucker for not only doing like homemade gifts for folks, but it's also for me, it's all about like the presentation and like yes. the packaging and stuff. Totally. Yeah. You eat with your eyes in right? all things. Yes. Yeah. Plating. It's, that's what it's all about. So with the vanilla, I also like to do, you can do other kind of like extracts. So like making your own like peppermint extract or something. And so I'm just imagining you doing like a cute little gift set of like two or three extracts or bitters or something could be really cute that would be so cute or even even like almond extract or orange exactly yeah yeah i think orange and mint would be really easy so would you like dry out the herbs beforehand or do you just put them in like straight from the ground if it was like mint so you can go either way with that. Uh, it would just, what that would change for me would be what kind of proof I would use for the alcohol. Um, because if you're using fresh herbs, that's going to have a higher like water content. Mm. And so you want your end result. So if I was using fresh herbs, I would use a higher proof alcohol so that that would sort of balance out the water content. But if you were using dried herbs, you could probably use something that was around like 80 or hundred proof and you would be fine. And then do you have to like strain it or can you make it like look pretty and keep it in there? You could leave it in there um, because the alcohol, you know, you can have tinctures and, and things like that, where as long as all the plant material is, is in the liquid so that it can't get moldy. I mean, you could wait years to strain tinctures if you wanted to. I think for most people when I'm gift giving, unless there's something I know is kind of like into this stuff and doing herbal stuff as well. I always strain it ahead of time just because 
I worry that if I'm like, okay, in six weeks, you need to do this step. You're not going to do it. It's going to be in like the back of their cupboard for like 10 years, you know? And then they're going to go to use it. Yeah. Yeah. If they, well, or they're just not going to use it. They're going to be like, oh, I don't have a tiny strainer or I don't want to bother with this. So I I try to make it as ready to go as possible for most of my friends. Gotcha. I know that they're into that. Right, because then if you start using it, then the alcohol leaves, like, some of the plant material exposed then. So if they, like, right. skipped that step, it would be a mess. Right, yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, okay, so I want to talk about your whole Muay Thai champion of the world. <laughs> How did you get into that? Is it, like, do you still practice at all, like, just personally? Or I want to hear all about it. Okay, so <laughs> this is slightly a longer story, but okay. I am a very like <laughs> list and goal oriented person. And hold on, I what guess... is your astrology signs first? Because I feel like we need to know that. <laughs> okay, um, I am a Libra sun, a Leo moon, and a Sagittarius rising. Ooh, I feel like that's very sad rising with like picking a goal and like executing. Yes. And yeah, it's funny. I was talking to someone else about this where I feel like when I was younger, I definitely felt like I embodied more of like the Libra stuff, especially with like disliking conflict and always wanting to mediate stuff and uh, didn't have like a super great childhood. So I definitely felt like I was walking on eggshells around my dad most of the time. So like trying to mediate conflict. And I was like, oh, these are qualities I don't like about Libra. Like, I don't want this anymore. And as I've gotten older, I definitely feel like I'm more and more just like that Sagittarius, like adventure and being really goal driven and list oriented. And yeah. So cool. So, <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So with the goals and everything, um, about 12 years ago, I came upon this project. It's called 101 in 1001. And the idea is that you make a list of 101 things that you want to do in 1001 days which is just as a little bit under like three years. And so I've done like several cycles of this. Um, I'm like always in a list now ever since I started it. Wow. Okay. Number one, I am like, I'm so overwhelmed even thinking about that. And I love how you were like immediately, and I've done it several times. (laughs) Oh yeah. Like since I started doing it, like I've never not had a list like as like, the last, the last item on every list is make the next list. And I've like dragged so many of my friends into this and we'll have like dinner parties where we get together and like make our lists together and like talk about goals and we'll come up with like goals that maybe we want to do together, like trips we want to take or adventures to go on. It's super fun. That is so fun. Okay. Back to Muay Thai. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Muay Thai happened because one random item that I put on my list was take a self-defense class. And I didn't even really know what I meant by that when I put it on the list, but I knew I didn't want to do just like a class where they would teach me to just like yell for help and like step on someone's foot and like run away. I was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) I was like self-defense. Like I, if I do that, I'm leaving that person to attack the next person. And so like in my mind, I was like, no, I was like my self-defense. I want to be able to like, put an attacker down so that they cannot just move on to the next person down the sidewalk. I was like, this I love is how you're, you're like a vigilante. <laughs> <laughs> so, so 
So I grew up loving martial arts. Like my brother and I would always watch like Bruce Lee movies. And as I got older, like uh, Ong Bak is a is a Muay Thai fighter and actor who's had a bunch of movies. Um, and so yeah, so I was like, I don't really know what I want to do. I started to look up gyms around town, and I found some places that offered Muay Thai, and a lot of the gyms also had MMA and like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu which I didn't really want to do because I was like Brazilian, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is all about like groundwork. And I was like, I'm six two. I don't want to be on the ground. Like my advantage is like being big and having a lot of arm reach and stuff. I was like, I want to stay on my feet. So I decided to go check out Muay Thai. Um, especially cause I watched, you know, fight videos of it. And I was like, this looks really cool. So I walk in, you know, all these places will let you do like a free class or whatever. I come in I do the free class. I'm like teaching middle school during the day at the time. I, I take the free class and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this was so amazing. <laughs> and at the gym, most of the people that were there, they were just training like for fun. Um, but then they had a smaller team of people that was actually like fighting, competing, and, like getting in the ring. I came back the next day and I told the, the person there that was like the head trainer and coach, I was like, I want to fight. And he kind of looked at me. They didn't have any female fighter, any female fighters in the gym at that point. And he was like, all right, like, <laughs> I have to give him credit. Like, he didn't turn me down. He didn't turn me away or try to discourage me. He was like, okay, like, this is how many hours you're expected to be here. And I was like, cool. I will easily beat that. That's how many hours was it? Was it a lot? Um, it was like, you know, you need to be here for like one class a day. It was like, you know, four or five days a week for like an hour and a half. And I was like, that's not a problem. I'll be here for four hours a day. No, no worries. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it was like, I was leading this weird double life where I was like, I would go teach, you know, eighth grade math and English during the day. I would leave there and immediately like go change into my gear and like train for like four hours. And oh just my like, God, get, I'm you know, obsessed. punched in the face for like four hours. <laughs> <laughs> And he told me, he was like, well, normally I make people train for like close to a year just because of the amount of time you need to put in before you get your first, you know, actual fight. But I was just putting in such a ridiculous amount of hours that he, he scheduled my first fight after three months. Wow. He was like, yeah, he's like, it's fine. Like, let's just, we'll try this and see what happens. And I was like, all right. And I was so nervous. Like, oh my gosh, it was. Yeah. What was that like? Oh my goodness, like nothing prepares you for that. And it's so funny because I can go back now and like watch those fight videos, like, and especially like my very first fight. And I look like I'm in slow motion, and like, so does the girl that I'm fighting. And you know, it just, it does not look like anything out of the movies. <laughs> that is for sure. It's not polished. It's so rough. You know, we're just like kind of flailing at each other <laughs> for a lot of it. <laughs> and it just, it looks so unimpressive to me but like in the moment in the ring I was like this is I am rocky <laughs> yeah like I'm like this is the most intense thing like this is like like you know like this girl is trying to kill me like uh-huh you're like I'm about to die <laughs> yeah I was like this is this is it you know um so I I won my first fight um yeah yeah so I won by TKO in the second round and I was just like, 
I thought I was hooked before and I was even more hooked after that. It's like, this is the most incredible feeling. Oh my God. The adrenaline dump and the endorphin dump (laughs) of winning. Yeah, no, it was, it was such a crazy experience. Um, just like the whole thing. Like I tell people the stories about this and it's just like small town, like amateur fights. Like most people are used to watching, you know, UFC or something on television and it's like, that is nothing at all what this is like. These are, like, happening in, like, school gymnasiums. <laughs> and it's just, like, random people, like, all these random gyms from, like, all over the state that, like, show up. And, you know, most of us have fought, you know, either zero times or just a handful of times. Most, you know, just, like, and especially with women fighting, like, they're just so fewer women that are doing this compared to the men and they just really don't have any idea of like how to handle it like that first fight my brother drove up from Florida to watch it with me the person I was dating at the time was there also and I'm and I'm standing there so with my male coach my male partner my brother and the people running the ter- the the fight night literally just come up to me holding out a pregnancy test and they're like we can't let you fight for insurance reasons until you take this test to make sure you're not pregnant wow just like in front of all these people i'm like yeah because this is totally how i want to find this out (laughs) yeah (laughs) in this super public way like oh like hey guys sorry i can't actually fight tonight but guess what (laughs) totally the best uh uh, coming out pregnancy oh story gosh. can yeah, you imagine or, if you actually were pregnant right like can you imagine like walking out of that bathroom and being like so <laughs> <laughs> or just like having to weigh in for fights and like everything that goes with that and and you know cutting weight for fights is like so unhealthy and so ridiculous and then like having to go through like stepping on a scale in front of a room full of like mostly guys and having them just like yell this number out like across the room for everyone and being like yep that's that's me you know I'm just like this is it's so weird um but the actual fighting itself is amazing it's such an incredible like adrenaline rush and like even like win or lose even fights that I've lost like after you do it you're just like I tried this thing like I tried my hardest and it's just such an experience and it stays with you forever like I can't recommend it enough like it's such an amazing way to kind of like build confidence in yourself that is so cool. I love this. I have like these dreams of being like a Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter. And I'm like the Ooh. smallest petite. <laughs> like, I don't know. You're giving me like so much inspiration because you're like, I also love knitting. But yeah, no. I can. <laughs> yeah, I was totally like the girl like in the bleachers like listening to like hip-hop music on my headphones to get warmed up for a fight but also like frantically knitting a scarf that was like someone's birthday present the next week i love that like you can allow yourself to like try new things and not be intimidated to like do something badly also like i do feel like everybody should have one project where they're like not great at something but working to improve oh for sure yeah um that was Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for me. I was terrible at that. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> like just the warm-ups for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu were so frustrating to me. Like it would almost make me cry because they want to do like somersaults and cartwheels. And I was like, I'm a grown ass woman and I've never done a cartwheel in my entire life. Yeah. I'm like, well now I can't do a cartwheel. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no one ever made fun of me. I will say that in any gym that I ever went to, it could be because I'm six two and like built like a linebacker and they'd seen me fight people, but no one ever made fun of me for not being able to do a cartwheel. Everyone was always super supportive and encouraging and you know you hear people joke about or comment about you know your martial arts family like being your family but it really is true like for better or for worse like those people you train with them you spend so many hours out of a week with them and like I feel like you learn so much about yourself through martial arts but like the people you train with you learn about each other too and like you definitely you have each other's backs so what were some other things on this list Oh, on my 101 list? Yes. So it was so varied. So I would have different categories to kind of make my goals in. So like one would be, you know, adventures or travels, like go hiking three times or go camping three times, Um, go to a different city, go on a trip by myself. Uh, Was there anything that like led to something unexpected that like turned out to be even better than the thing on the list? Ooh, great question. Um, I think, well, (laughs) Muay Thai was definitely probably one of my prime examples for that of just like something that seemed like a really innocuous, you know, list item that I would just like knock off in a a few weeks or something and turn into, you know, six years of my life. Um, One of the things on my list was figure out where to move and that was one of my more recent list items that I had where um my current partner and I we knew we didn't want to stay in the house that we were living in and we were thinking about leaving Tennessee and we didn't really know where we wanted to go and so I just sort of had this idea of again with the like overly organized and researchy part of my brain where I was like I'm gonna come up with like this rubric, this is maybe from my teaching days, a leftover practice. And then I come up with a rubric of like, whatever we want in, in a new city to go move to or something. And then I'm going to start evaluating like all these different parts of the country and do all this stuff and figure out where we want to move to. And long story short, we ended up not leaving Tennessee. Um, but doing that was what really, spurred us to actually go ahead and buy land here instead of just like hanging out in that house in limbo and we've been together nine years and pretty much from like as soon as we got together we were like well we're not staying in this house forever what do we want to do where do we want to move and we would talk about it every like year or two and then just made no progress on it but then it's like once it was on the list of like hey, you need to figure out, like, where you're going to move to. And it actually made us, like, look at where we currently were and decide, like, oh, we actually do want to stay here, but we just don't want to be in this house. We want to buy property. I want to have this herb farm, and I want to actually, like, go after this and try to make a livelihood out of it. So what's it been like putting down roots with, like, buying a home and, like, really creating it as like a home that you're going to stay in and nesting and all of that. 
Um, it has been really mixed for me. I've, I've been really happy to do this uh, on the one hand. I, I love the land that we found. I love our house. I love the work that we're doing on it to, to make it ours and to make it into what we want it to be. But it's actually been kind of hard for me. Um, I've moved around a lot as an adult. Uh, I moved out when I was 17. And for the next like many years of my life, I tallied it up at one point that I was moving on average like more than once a year and just kind of not really putting roots down anywhere. And I kind of liked that. Like I, I like to travel. I like having adventures. And so actually before we ended up doing this and deciding to buy this land, I had really gotten into hiking the year before and I was actually starting to put gear together and to train to go through hike the Appalachian Trail for like six or seven months. Yes, I was just about to guess that. Really? Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> so, I was like, I know this girl's gonna do something like beyond extreme with it. Oh my gosh, yeah. And like there was a point when I was in college where like I literally was talking to my mom about like, you know, I was living in Florida at the time and I was like, I think it's when I moved to California and like I don't know anyone there, but I'm just gonna like sleep in my car or on the beach or something I'm just gonna go you know it'll be fine um I don't know I've always kind of had this random kind of just like I'll just get up and do it and it'll work out and I'll I'll make it work somehow even with Muay Thai uh, my first tournament that first year um where I won my first title belt like right before I was supposed to go on that trip, my coach had to pull out at the last minute and wasn't going to be able to go with me to like corner me and do all the things that you need a coach to do to fight. And I was like, I've trained for this for a year. I am super broke because I'm a, I'm a school teacher and it's the middle of summer. I have no money. And this is like all the way in Iowa, like 15 hours away. I was like, it's fine. I'm just going to drive my truck and I'll just sleep in my truck and I'll just get someone else there to like, take my hands for me or something oh my god <laughs> right like so ridiculous and <laughs> my current partner we'd only been dating like two months at the time and, and he was like uh that is ridiculous like you are not doing that I will go with you we are gonna get a hotel like normal people <laughs> <laughs> I love your commitment to the idea though <laughs> like I'll do whatever it takes I'll figure it out yeah. like I don't yeah. have that faith in the universe. I'm trying to like cultivate that, but like my anxiety would be so bad. Yeah, it's, you know, like not to sound conceited, but it's not even like faith in the universe. It's more just like faith in myself. And like whatever happens, I'm just going to roll with it and I will make the best of it. And it's going to be okay, you know, like I, good or bad, like it's, it's going to be fine, you know. Um, I love that. You are so inspiring me. Oh, thanks. Um, seriously, try Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I think you would love it. Okay, I'm definitely going to try it like one time just to try yeah. it because I feel like I've had this thought and even if I look like a crazy person, it's okay. Yeah, and, and I promise you like no one is going to make fun. And if they do make fun of you, like you're at the wrong gym. But like Honestly, like, everyone is super supportive in these environments. Like, we all know it feels weird, and especially, like, doing BJJ if you're wearing, like, a gi for the first time, and you're like, I don't know how this works. Like, people will help you. Like, I've had people, I've had complete strangers, like, 
helped me get dressed in like random, you know, bathrooms at, you know, events and stuff being like, uh, I need someone to take my hands or I need help adjusting something, you know, people are so supportive. So yeah, just give it a shot. I think you'll really enjoy it. Okay. So I want to come back to like the earth thing and like rooting and it's hard to like the transition of really like staying in one place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's definitely been an, an adjustment for me. And like I said, on the one hand, I love it. And especially because a lot of the herbs I'm really wanting to cultivate are woodland medicinals that often take like five to seven years before you can even think about harvesting any part of them. And so that's like such a long time frame for me to think about. It feels so like Saturnian, like the responsibility of something that takes so much time and cultivation, but like gives this like great reward when you really like have the constraints. It's like the constraints almost like give this amazing result that you wouldn't get from like something that was quicker. Yeah, for sure. And I think those constraints, a lot of times like having those constraints really forces you to like use your creativity and to think outside the box to come up with ideas for things. And so that's been really great. Um, And, you know, I'm still finding ways to not get super stuck and rooted here and still go on trips. I go to, you know, herb and farming conferences a couple times a year or travel to see friends. But having a farm means that, like, I can't just, like, take off for a week, you know, if someone has to be here to water things and make sure everything <laughs> dies. And I've got, you know, dogs and cats. And, um, but, yeah, I still it, – so it's just changing, like, kind of, like, what adventure looks like for me. Like, I definitely couldn't go do the Appalachian Trail this coming year and disappear for seven months. Um but I can go disappear for a weekend every once in a while and and that's okay. And I'm also learning how to bring adventure to me. So yes, I love that idea. Yeah. So just like hosting a lot more events and get togethers and just putting it out there of like, you know, Hey, let's all just come out and do something here and it'll be super fun. And like a lot of my friends are like super excited to come see the property, like everything that we have going on here. And so I think there's a lot of opportunities for that. And I think the older I get, the more I value, like, being able to build that community as well and not feel like I'm, you know, lone wolfing it all the time, which I definitely felt like I was trying to do when I was younger. Yeah, because I feel like when you travel a lot, it's hard to travel with a lot of people. Yeah, I can't imagine doing that. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds terrible. (laughs) no but it's like when you travel it's like you want to see what you want to see and it's like you went there for a reason and yeah I'm just like I want to go 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 I'm like oh I only have x amount of days in this place like how much stuff can I see or how many activities can I do like because I'll probably never get to come back here again like I don't know the idea of doing like a being with like a tour group of like 15 other people and like all of us like bickering about where to eat dinner that night that just sounds oh my gosh no um where is the favorite place that you have traveled to 
I really liked Italy. I got to travel there um, for Muay Thai, actually. Wow! Um, yeah, I got to fight on the the amateur U.S. team at the World Championships one year, and it was in Italy, and that was amazing. We were there for um, like a week, and then but we only had to fight on a couple of the days, and so we got to you know I got to see like the Leaning Tower of Pisa and some of the nearby like cathedrals and things like that. So I didn't really care about that stuff so much as just being in another country and just kind of like the day-to-day lives of people and seeing the differences. Like that to me was super fun. Um, I really liked Costa Rica. I spent two weeks there uh, in my early 20s and that was really beautiful. I wouldn't mind going back there, that's for sure. I really haven't done very much international travel just for financial reasons. And now it's also time reasons too, but I'm hoping to change that. Um, I think next year, maybe we'll, we'll go somewhere maybe in the winter when there's nothing happening here on the farm. Ooh, I love that. And then it's like nicer weather also. So it's a win-win. Yeah. I think it's kind of funny. It's like my life has sort of flip-flopped. Like I, because I was a school teacher for so long, my life really ran around, you know, summer being like the time that was like my time to go and travel. And now it's sort of flip-flopped with the farming where like now like winter is when I get to like run off and do all the things. It's also, cause I have a similar schedule with that. Cause I do weddings, hair for oh, weddings. Yeah. So like it's really wedding season all the time except the winter. Um, so if like we ever want to do something like that's the time, but it's yeah, also like, like the, it's the opposite of like the social calendar also, right. which is like kind of, I don't know. I mean, it's great if you want to travel because it's not involving other people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's not so great for like, uh, anytime. Anytime else. It kind of yeah, is hard. Anything that you do want to involve <laughs> other people with or like. You know, this first year of farming, you know, I've had friends, you know, getting married and stuff and like traveling to go see them. And I'm like, I love you so much. And I would never tell you this, but like, it was so stressful for me to be able to get here and do this, you know, like, yeah, but I'm doing it. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, that must be hard. You have to like find somebody to water your plants. Yeah. Or even just like taking care of you know, our, we have got senior dogs that are like on medications and need, you know, we, we basically have to get a full on like house sitter, not, not someone just swinging by like once or twice a day. So that yeah, gets expensive. I to- yes, totally. So do you have family in your area or where did you grow up? I don't. Um, so I was born in Maine, but I actually mostly grew up in Florida, in Gainesville, Florida, which is like the center of the state. Um, they call it the swamp. So <laughs> you tell people Florida, and they're like, "Ooh, beaches!" And I'm like, "No, there was no, no beaches." Yeah, um, Tennessee sounds lovely. <laughs> yeah, no, Tennessee is great. Um, and Florida, it's just, it's so hot and humid. Um, though they do have like almost a year-round growing season, which is pretty rad. Oh, that's um, cool. So, did you grow up like growing a lot of herbs? No, not really. Um, it just wasn't until uh, my first partner, whose who's folks did mm. herbalism and organic gardening and stuff, that's really where I got the most exposure to it. Um, but also, my middle school in eighth grade, 
they had this electives for eighth graders where like one semester you took a technology class and then the second semester was an agriculture class Ooh, and they so had cool. like a little garden on the school grounds I love that. I love seeing like urban gardening and farming programs also in schools. Yeah, it was super awesome. And um, the ag teacher was really nice and super supportive. And so he kind of gave us the go ahead for like summertime, like after the other students had left, it, the garden was still like producing, you know, vegetables. And he was like, you guys can come harvest stuff, you know, anytime. Um, my mom like worked her butt off taking care of us, but we definitely didn't have it easy financially. And so like, for me, I was like, always trying to like problem solve, like we got this, you know? And I was like, Oh my gosh, like I can put these seeds in the ground and we make food. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. And it's so cool that that was like a seed of a good experience. And then it's like, when you were reintroduced to it later, it's like that seed was able to like take root. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm like, I'm so grateful that programs like that existed. And I wish our schools had more of them, you know, now I think they're so important. But even not in schools, like I see, you know, we have a lot of community gardens happening here in Nashville that I think are really awesome. And I'm just so excited every time I see anything like that happening, to just connect people back, you know, to the land they're on, back to the earth, back to how their food is produced. I just I think it's so important. So what's it like being an entrepreneur now and having your own farm and your own business? And like, is it different from just, were you doing it like kind of like part-time while you were teaching? Yeah, I've always kind of just had like little side hustles. Um, I have ADD and so it's really hard for me to just have like a single job. Oh, me too. I need like multiple things. I'm a baker. I'm a hairstylist. I'm a tarot reader, podcaster. I'm totally with you. Yeah. (laughs) And it's hard because I definitely like, I'm sure you can relate to this. It's like, it's so easy to take on too much. Yeah. And then you're, you're doing like nothing well. And so, like, as I've gotten older, like, that's definitely been a skill that I've refined to be, like, okay, like, yes, you need to be doing multiple things in order to thrive and, and be satisfied with your life, but there's there has to be a ceiling to that. And so, telling myself, like, okay, well, these are the things you're going to focus on this year, and you don't get to add anything new to that. <laughs> like, this is enough. You will not be bored. Priorities. Um, right. Uh, I think being an entrepreneur... I feel like right now the best analogy is that like I am on the locomotive on the train it is on fire and I'm trying to build the track in front of me as I go (laughs) yes (laughs) but it's all in like a really good way like I know that sounds like really ominous but it's good it's (laughs) that's so sad of you (laughs) is it (laughs) I'm like, I love being on this train that's on fire. It's so fun. It's going uh, somewhere, so it's fine. It's, the view the view is amazing, Emma. So, um, but I just mean, like, I feel like I have so many different pieces and parts moving, like, all at the same time. And it's sort of, like, just trying to, like, oh, I'm going to touch this project for a little bit and just give it what it needs for right now, but not fully be able to, like, finish it. Because then I need to, like, bounce over here and do this other thing. And, like, you know, like, um, 
here's a good example. Like, I don't even have a website built yet. I'm working on it. Um, I mean, when do you have time to do it? (laughs) Right. Like, this is so hard. And especially because even though I'm a Sag, I'm also a bit of, like, a perfectionist. So I'm like, well, I just need to, like, write an about page and, like, a bio. And I'm like, oh, this should just be a few paragraphs. But they have to be perfect. Um, So, yeah. So it's like, I don't have a website. But I'm trying to do this and, like, maybe make a little bit of money to, you know, maybe pay some bills, pay the electric bill or something. So it's like, I don't have a website, but I have Instagram. So like recently, just in the last month or so, someone approached me and wanted me to make a custom tea blend for them for like a specific like health goal they're trying to work on. And I was like, oh, cool. That's great. So I did that and they took a picture of it, posted it on their Instagram. And so I just reposted it. This turned like overnight pretty much into about a dozen people reaching out to me being like, Hey, yeah, like, I want one immediately. <laughs> yeah, like I want a tea. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, I need to step up my game. And like, you know, we talked about like packaging and presentation, super important. So like that turned into like, okay, well now I need labels. Like I have a logo, a friend drew me this adorable like fox, you know, with like elder flowers on its nose. It's like, now I need a logo. Now I need a printer. Oh, now I need to figure out like how I'm going to print these labels. And it's like, there's so many things to do besides just like getting to be outside and like growing herbs and like chilling out with the plants. It's true. It's like you gotta like take the not as fun things with the amazing things. Yes, definitely. And you don't you definitely don't think about that, I feel like when you start. At least I didn't. Like I didn't realize it would be so many contracts and administrative stuff and I was just like, I'm going to be doing hair. That's it. But Right, yeah. I had gotten pretty far into planning um, the restaurant that I was thinking about starting and opening up. And so, like, I knew there was a lot to consider in terms of, like, juggling, like, accounting and taxes and employee ID numbers and all that kind of stuff, which is, like, super scary and overwhelming if that's not what your, like, main wheelhouse is. Um, but yeah, it's like you just don't think about like, oh, I need to be able to build a website. I need to be able to do graphic design or I have to somehow have disposable cash to like pay someone to do that, which I definitely don't. Um, yeah, it's like it's when like, your creativity turns into a business, which is like how it sustains itself. But there's like a whole can of worms with that. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I know you deal with this all the time with like yeah, you're not just doing hair. It's like, I assume you're probably like a 1099 employee where you, where you work. Um, no. So I just have my own business. So I have like an LLC. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. But it was like setting that up and just even the idea of like paying taxes and, you know, accounting all of that and then paying quarterly taxes and, it's just you're accountable for all of it. It's yeah. like so much more responsibility. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's so much. I'm doing the LLC route also. And yeah, it, it really messes me up too in terms of like trying to figure out how to price things. Um, and just figuring out like, for instance, like I'm doing a, that workshop that I'm doing next month. It's like, okay, well, I have to pay, you know, the tickets are X number of dollars right off the top. 
a percentage of that goes to the event space that's hosting it, you know, for their share of me using their event space and then advertising it and everything. Okay, so that part's gone. Then you have to take off for materials. Then you have to take off, you know, actually before materials, then you have to take off like, you know, you should budget what a third for taxes just to be on the safe side. It's just like, so you take off that, you take off materials, and then you're like, so how much did I actually get paid (laughs) to run this hour and a half workshop? Like, what did I get paid per hour? And then don't even, you know, if you think about like, well, how many hours of prep did I put into this Mm -hmm. also? Like typing up these handouts and notes and planning what I was going to say. It's like, it's nuts. Like, I feel like that like reminds me of like, teachers though also which you were probably like very prepped in with like just watching like both of my parents were teachers and the amount of like prep that goes into a classroom and oh gosh, yeah. you know just I don't know that's kind of what it reminds me of I mean I yeah. guess you are an herbal teacher that's what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny like it feels like everything I've done in my life like I always end up teaching at some point um, so it just, I can't stay away, I guess, but yeah, I think you're right with like the, the teaching analogy about all the preps for whatever subjects you're teaching. It's a lot. And, you know, if you're not behind the scenes, like you don't see it. So you don't, you don't think about it. And um, it's funny with like loving to do new things also. Cause I feel like the more routine you make something, the more you can automate. But then yeah. it's like, if you always want to be doing something like new and exciting, then you're like also taking on the responsibility to like create that program. That's a great point. Yeah. Well, yeah. And when I was a middle school teacher, they changed my class assignments almost every year. Uh. So, <laughs> yeah, there was, so I, I taught in Tennessee, but I got my teaching degree back in Florida was where I finished school and there were just differences in like how people got certified. So in Tennessee, most people got certified in just one or two subject areas. For some reason in Florida, like I went ahead and took like this additional testing. And so I got what was called an integrated certificate, which meant I could teach any middle school subject. Oh, I'm sure they loved that. Yeah. So at the time I thought I was just covering my bases to make sure I was able to get hired just to like, you know, one of those things, but I could do any of them, you know, but no, what that meant was that when they would go to make up the roster, you know, when the principals would decide, you know, this person's going to teach this class or whatever, they left me until the end. And so they were like, well, she can do anything. So they were like, well, we have, you know, (laughs) one section of science that we need and then two sections of you know yeah it was but part of me loved it because I definitely I never got bored (laughs) totally that is so cool so how do you feel like you're like integrating all of this like into relationships with that like Libra energy that you have because I feel like there's like this whole energy of you like learning all of these things but then like I don't know like giving it to other people in this service I don't know I don't really know where I'm going with this question but if you have any like thoughts about any of that yeah I think I mean I think that's what compels me to normally end up teaching no matter whether it's 
Muay Thai or being a middle school teacher or now, you know, starting to do some workshops with herbalism, I think I don't, I don't want to, I like change. And if you're holding on to something, you can't grab anything new. And so I feel like the minute I get a good grip on something, I want to give it away to someone else. So that, Ooh, that is so beautiful. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. So I just, and especially with herbalism, I feel like it can open us up to so, to so many other things that we really need in the world right now. And so I just, I want to give that away to everyone that I can, um, you know, and also like keep the lights on at my house so I can't always give it away for free, but accessibility is definitely like really important to me and trying to support like good, like plant conservation efforts and just really like teaching as many people as I can. And like, you know, I'll have people ask me like, just on a, like a friend level, like, Oh, Hey, can you show me how to brew kombucha? I'm like, yeah, like obviously come over to my house. Let's do it like right now. Um, and please go teach someone else. Like after I show you, you know? Um, and I feel like most knowledge, like it's not mine, you know, it wasn't mine to start with. And so it's not mine to hold on to. It's just passing through. I'm going to give it to you. You're going to give it to someone else. It wasn't ours to keep in the first place. Wow. I feel like so inspired. You are an amazing human. Oh, oh, thank you, Anna. That's so sweet of you. Oh my gosh. Okay, so for any like budding herbalists, like how, what would you suggest like a good first step is to get like their feet wet? Okay, I would say, so number one, there is an, if you're in the U.S., there's an organization called the American Herbalist Guild. Um, the membership there each year is not super expensive. They do a lot of like online webinars and things like that. But even if you don't join, which I would encourage you to do, but even if you don't join, each state has its own local chapter. Um, I'm, on the, I'm on the leadership board here for the Tennessee chapter. Go find them. They usually have like a Facebook group for your state. And go get involved. They'll do, you know, we do like plant walks and we're doing a seed swap next month. Just start getting involved, you know, locally. Find out if there's anyone doing classes near you. And if they're not, you know, there's so much great information out there, you know, podcasts, YouTube videos. Even if, you know, there are great courses if you're able to afford them. I think there are some out there that are really excellent and still reasonably priced. And, you know, find, you know, there are great books out there as well. Um, I just feel like I, I do work a part-time job off the farm. And one of the really awesome things about it is I'm allowed to wear headphones. Ooh, and me so, too. I love it. I love listening to podcasts and doing yes. something with my hands. It's so good. And so, yeah, I, I'm literally just like pouring knowledge over my head, like 24-7. And also... I think the best teacher, this is going to sound corny, but I sincerely mean it. I think the plants are our best teachers. And so I would encourage you just start with a single plant and sit with it. Spend a month getting to know it, sit with it, meditate with it. Um, you know, do your research to check to make sure nothing's like poisonous, obviously, but like make tea with it cook with it figure out all the different ways that you can be in a relationship with that plant spend a full like lunar cycle with that plant getting to know it 
and and then pick a new plant if you feel like it the next the next cycle and I think that's you know a lot of times when we hop into herbalism we want to know like all the plants all at once you don't need to know hundreds of plants you could spend a year learning you know one plant per month and at the end of that year you would know 12 plants so incredibly well and you would be amazed what those relationships could do for you in your life you, you could do so much with 12 plants in your apothecary. Wow, that is such a great idea and great advice. Um, what was your first, like, amazing plant relationship that really spoke to you? I remember being pretty young, so, like, late elementary school age, maybe, and a woman babysat us, um, after we got home from school and I remember her, the outside of the house, it was like a, or not house, it was like a set of like four apartments put together. We lived in one and the woman babysitting us lived in the other. She had the outside one and that outside wall, there was just this row of honeysuckle. And I remember like her teaching us that you could like pull off honeysuckle blossoms and like suck the nectar from the end. Yes. yeah, and just, like, how magical that was. And also, in the front yard there, there was, like, a tree that had this huge, like, old wisteria vine that had wrapped around it. And it literally made this, like, tiny, like, one-person cave, like, at the base of the tree. And so I could, like, crawl in under the honeysuckle and it just felt like this magical, like, otherworldly, like, kind of stepping through the veil kind of place and it just felt like so incredibly safe that and is just so kind of cool separate yeah oh I love that that painted like such a beautiful picture thanks yeah I just what about you what are some of your favorite plant memories I feel like you brought me back with the honeysuckle thing I remember yeah. there being like a wall of honeysuckles by like the blacktop that we had for recess in elementary school so that totally brought me back to like going over there and doing that and um, yeah yeah I love those but my other favorite herbs I would say are I love mint I love right now roses I grew I planted like two rose bushes when my grandma passed in honor of her that's beautiful and she's a Taurus, so, like, just this, like, ode to this, like, I don't know, like, this root system that feels like it's always going to be there, and especially with, like, we had just bought our house, um, like, two or three years ago, so I feel like really making it our own, and it just feels like bringing a part of her into our home and that it's always there and I'm like trying to make my first tincture with it so I I have it there so it's like I have it in a little jar are you supposed to shake it every day I heard you say that I haven't been doing that but I feel like I should start (laughs) you don't have to like give it a shake whenever you think about it and you'll be fine um I have just made it a habit of kind of they're kind of like my babies. I check on my babies every day. I love how like detail oriented you are and like how much love you seem to pour into everything. It's so oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah, it's just one of those things like it I love making things and I 
I just, I, it makes me so happy, Anna, like, to be able to, like, walk in and look at these, like, shelves of, of different, like, tinctures and oils that are, just have, like, plants infusing in them and being, like, I grew these plants or I foraged these plants on our property and just, like, and now I'm going to make this and I'm going to put all this good energy into it and then it's going to go out into the world and hopefully, like, help other people and it might not only just, like, help them you know, for themselves, but it might inspire them to, you know, make plant medicine of their own and share that with others. And I just think it's so amazing. I just, I want to see it just kind of like spider web out until everyone has this relationship with the plants. I love it. And I feel like your Instagram, I'm like looking at it and it's so beautiful. Just like... I feel like that inspiration is, like, brought to, you brought it on, I mean, to such, like, I don't know, Instagram, it's, like, good, it's bad, but, like, you created such an inspiring space with all of these plants that I'm sure, like, ripples out. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I I don't believe in having, like, an overly curated feed, like, I definitely share, like, the good, the bad, and the ugly of my life, and especially, like, in the stories on Instagram, too, if, if I'm having a weird day, but, yeah, I just, I love being able to, I'm pretty shy about, like, photos of myself, so I definitely love, like, putting the plants front and center. <laughs> I feel that, too. <laughs> I feel like, look at what I made. Don't look at me. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting better about it, though. Like, I've, I've resolved to, like, try to post my face every couple of weeks at least yes definitely I feel like with having a podcast too it kind of forces you to be seen in a very like vulnerable way mm-hmm. yeah even that was hard like I thought about starting a podcast for like over a year before I actually did it and I remember asking a couple of my closest friends and saying to them you know hey I need to ask you this it's super weird I need you to be honest and I promise you, I will not be offended. And they're like, their face is like, oh my gosh, like what's happening? And I was like, do I have a weird voice? <laughs> <laughs> and they just like looked at me like, what is wrong with you, Sarah? <laughs> you know? And they're like, your voice is fine, big dummy. You know? <laughs> well, it's like always listening to your voice. It's like that first time you hear yourself on a recording and you just like cringe a little. You're like, oh, is that what I sound like? Yes, exactly. And then I actually kind of like looked it up and it seems like this is a pretty universal phenomenon where like everyone thinks their voice sounds weird, you know, to them because you hear it in your own head when you're speaking and then to listen to a recording of it, it doesn't match up. And so it just feels very off and strange. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. But it makes me laugh because then I've had people like listen to the podcast and send me these super sweet messages and they'll like sign sign it at the end with like, and you have such a great voice for this. And I'm like, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay. Well, I could talk to you forever, but I know you yes. work today also. <laughs> so I'm going to let you go, but tell everyone like where they can find you. Shout out your podcast again, where they can <laughs> oh. buy your stuff, your custom tea blends. Yeah. Okay. So the podcast is called Tending Seeds. And you can find that like wherever you listen to podcasts normally. And then the best way to find me is on Instagram. Uh, my name there is Fox and Elder, all one word, 
and I'm sure we'll put it in show notes and stuff. And you can message me if you're interested in like an herbal consultation or a custom tea or whatever. I'm working on that website, (laughs) (laughs) foxandelder.com. So who knows, maybe maybe when this goes live, it will have magically appeared. We'll see. I love that. Thank you so, so, so much, Sarah. You are so amazing. And I'm so grateful that you took the time to talk with me. Oh, thank you, Anna. I've loved your podcast for like months now since I found it. And it's been one of the things I devour when I'm at work on my headphones. And so when we connected and you asked me to be on, I was like over the moon. I was like, this is so amazing. So, Oh my God. You have no idea how much that touches my soul, especially being one of those people that does the same thing. So yeah. yeah. No, I totally get it. So thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day and good luck with everything that you're doing. Thank you, Anna. Bye. Bye. Hello, hello. How did you like that episode? I know it's giving you life because it gave me life. Don't you want to just like go and try all of the things that you were like initially too scared to ever try, but now you're like, yes, queen, let me try it. So I hope this gave you a little bit of pep to like try something new because I definitely feel that way. So connect with Sarah at Fox and Elder on Instagram. Check out her podcast, Tending Seeds podcast, and definitely order some of her herbal concoctions because she is the coolest and the best. (sighs) I feel like I just ran a marathon with that episode, even just like listening back. I feel just invigorated. Um, so I'm sending you guys a lot of love. I'm really excited about this episode. I'm just like this, like electricity that she brings is palpable. Um, if you guys enjoyed this podcast, if you could rate and review it, that would be fabulous. I would really appreciate it. And it helps other people find the podcast And definitely subscribe so you can get more Blind Love Radio all the time whenever it comes out. And that's it, guys. I'm sending you guys a lot of love. Until next time, smooches. Mwah.